and welcome to Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. Joe, happy Halloween. I hope your Halloween was filled with all kinds of uh, of uh, of caramel and and uh, nougat and uh, and chocolate and. Uh, okay, I thought you were naming like the most racist acts in history. <laughs> no, uh, as this podcast drops. Uh, you know, last night, Halloween, trick-or-treating, yeah. good time for one and all. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I went out with my usual attire. What would, what would that have been? Oh, it would have been a little something called a Ghostbuster costume. Did you did, did we post last year, you and I wearing the Ghostbuster costumes from like five years ago with you playing the theme on a loop? Oh, right, yeah. I think we did post a picture of uh, us and our kids. But what we had a... You had a clip. There was a... Maybe management has a clip She might have... It. Well, it wouldn't have been me, because I would have... You would have been... Right. I'm using my phone as a, a boombox, so essentially. I, I, will, I will find it and post it, because uh, I'll say it. We looked hot. We were. And, and I still have those costumes. And you know what? Dare I say, I think we could both fit into our costumes yet again. Uh, we probably could. <laughs> All right, good night, everybody. We got to go cosplay. <laughs> um... Anyways, uh, so so it it is Halloween, um, you know Halloween the movie the reboot or not the reboot the uh, the sequel the sequel it's a sequel to and, Halloween and, too. And, and, and this picks up right from there like all the other ones never took place. Oh right, they are ignoring Halloween two, I think two through eight. Yeah, like all, basically, yeah, it's a sequel just from Halloween one. But we're not here to talk about Halloween. The no, movie. no, we're here to talk about uh, zombie movies. Right. Uh, uh, like, 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 World War Z. No. No, okay. Uh, oh, we doing the Charlie Brown Christmas again? Oh, Charlie Brown, uh... It's a great pumpkin. Great, great. Yeah, that way, no? No, no, no. We're going to talk about probably the greatest, dare I say, funniest movie of all time. Uh, that is Halloween-themed, I think, in my opinion. Uh, that would be, we mentioned it earlier, Ghostbusters. Right. The Larry Storch, <laughs> the one with the monkey. Yeah, we're not talking about. Okay, let's get it out of the way. Right. So, Ghostbusters was a a live action kids show from the late sixties, I think, that uh, had two bumbling guys and a gorilla, as was tradition back in sixties television, where they went to haunted houses. And um, they were deemed the go- they were they called themselves the Ghostbusters. They were these guys that showed up and um, would try to shoo away ghosts from haunted houses and, and they drove crashing. around in a van and had a dog who ate snacks. Uh, something like that. I think <laughs> Ghostbusters was a live action show, and then um, it went away. It uh, it kind of just you know it had its like one season run and, and then died. Then Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis decide to write a movie in the early 80s. Um, essentially, Dan Aykroyd writes the Ghostbusters movie script, and Harold Ramis co-wrote it with him, but it's mostly Aykroyd's baby. Like, that's his, like, he's Mr. Paranormal, Dan Aykroyd. He, like, he really believes in that, that they're, you know, parallel dimensions and, uh, you know, but he's a funny guy, and he wrote this movie, and he, they called it Ghostbusters, and... Columbia Pictures bought it. We're going to produce it. But then, um, I'm actually getting ahead of myself. Because you threw me with the 1960s Ghostbusters. We'll get back to that later. Let's talk about Ghostbusters, the movie proper. So, 84 comes out, blockbuster hit. 
it was Ghostbusters fever sweeping the nation. I, I, I dare I say, um, I was, gee, when it came out, I was seven years old. So I was old enough technically to have seen it in the movie, but my parents didn't love me enough at that point to take me to go see it. So I had to wait until it came on broadcast TV a couple of years later. And then that's when I really got involved with um, my love for the Ghostbusters, played by Bill Murray as Dr. Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Dr. Raymond Stance, and Harold Ramis as Dr. Egon Spangler. And, and of course, uh, Ernie Hudson, who played Winston Zeddemore, not a doctor. Uh, racist. But <laughs> uh, it was essentially the Three Stooges. I mean, if you look at the 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 build of the movie and just the dynamic, they're they're not the Three Stooges, but like Marx Brothers. That's more they're more in line with Marx Brothers. Did you see the second one before you saw the first one? Hell no. Okay. No, right. no. This is the one where I actually I I didn't start that tradition yet. Okay. Ghostbusters two which we normally wouldn't speak of. We will in this podcast came out in 1989, but Ghostbusters proper came out in 84. And what are your takeaways from Go? When did, did you see Ghostbusters when it I came out? I saw when it came out. Okay. And then what did you think? Were you in love with the, with just the, were you quoting the lines as you were leaving the theater? At the, at, so you think about it. It's like Harold Ramis was Stripes and, and uh, Caddyshack. Anything that came out in that era, Dan Aykroyd, Blues Brothers. I mean, I absolutely loved, love, love. Dr. Detroit. Yes. Dr. Detroit. (laughs) I don't know the last time I've quoted that, but I did. I mean, that that whole era of film, the, the, the first wave of Saturday Night Live guys, you know, who went on and stuff like that. Again, like, you know, what Ramis had done as a writer, as a director. And, and Aykroyd, yeah, this this was one of those ones when I was co- waiting for it to come out. I'm 15 years old, and my life was going to movies and playing hockey. Oh, great. And how many times did you see it? Did you go to the drive-in? That was past drive-in age, but my brother and I, and, and to this day, the Showcase Cinema in Woburn uh, very much wants you to go to movies for free. There are some, if you go to the, 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 you know, free tip, if you go to the Showcase Cinema in Woburn for like the first showing at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, you have to hunt down somebody to give your money to. You have to go <laughs> out of your way. My brother and I figured this out when we were we little lads and uh, we would go all the time. I must have seen it at least probably the summer came out like 15, 18 times. Mm-hmm. When I saw it on network television, I remember it was the, the ABC Sunday night movie. No, ABC Saturday night movie. And um, it was fantastic. We actually have it playing on mute in the background right now. I have the original Ghostbusters VHS release, like when it was, I think, first released into home video. So th- there weren't even like previews. In, going on in uh, at the beginning of this movie right now. So Shock's yeah, right now uh, laughing and giggling to himself as he takes a picture of me talking while we're watching the movie. Uh, yeah, like, that's a real tube TV with a real VHS uh, player, a VCR attached to it. Uh, they're right now, it's at the beginning of the movie, so they're about to approach the library ghost. Um, now, now, you mentioned the TV, the old tube TV, the VHS... You didn't mention the shrine to Ghostbusters <laughs> above it. So I do have a little bit of a Ghostbusters shrine because, you know, now that we're all man children, uh, there's more memorabilia and more Ghostbusters licensed stuff that you can buy. There are at least, I think there were no short of three versions of the uh, 
Ecto-1, which is, of course, their vehicle, the Ghostbusters car. You can't park that here. Everybody can relax. I found the car. Need some suspension work and shocks and uh, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission, rear end. How much? Only 4800 Maybe new rings, also mufflers, a little wiring. It's fantastic. Everybody loves the Ecto-1. Uh, and I have like three models of it because I'm a, I'm a very sad person. But I also have the Ghostbusters cartoon series complete box set on DVD, which is shaped like the firehouse that the Ghostbusters lived in. Uh, which is Hook and Ladder 8 in New York City, if you're ever uh, interested in seeing it. I, I Actually, maybe I am. I'm going to, I will be in New York tomorrow. Oh, okay. And, and you, you're, we won't get too much in the cartoon. Maybe we'll do a sideshow just on that. But no, you, no, you're we'll, a big yeah. fan of it. Absolutely. I was actually kind of kind of eventually lead into the okay. Ghostbusters cartoon because that is a huge influence of my love for the Ghostbusters because they didn't, when they wrote this movie, it's an adult-themed movie. They had, There's a lot of, there's some sexual overtones. I mean, let's, briefly go over the plot of the movie so these three guys they're uh they're teaching adjunct at a university that they don't really name but it's columbia and um they're kind of on thin ice bill murray's peter bankman he's kind of a the huckster uh, of the group you seem to regard science as a scam or a hustle or dodge your theories are the worst kind of popular tripe. Your methods are sloppy and your conclusions are highly questionable. You are a poor scientist, Dr. Bankman. So they get kicked out of the university and they uh, decide that after witnessing a ghost at the library, that there may be some sort of uh, possibility of capturing ghosts and containing them indefinitely. Dr. Bankman sees that as sort of a, a money-making idea. And he decides to convince Ray to uh, put up his parents' home <laughs> that was, were, was left to him as collateral so that they can go into business for themselves. So they start the Ghostbusters thing. They, uh, you know, they get the rundown firehouse, but, uh, you know, it, it meets their financial needs, not so much the structural needs. And they start a business. It starts off small, becomes big because it turns out that there's this end of the world thing that had been put in motion for decades because some wacky architect decided to build a building that was essentially an antenna and a portal to the the other side. He he worshipped Gozer, a Sumerian god, blah 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 blah. And the yeah, the these two the two minions of Gozer, which are Zul and Vince Glothar, um, they are the terror dogs that are living in the they're like the gargoyles of the building. I like to point out, Joe is not looking at Wikipedia, <laughs> has no literature in front of him about a rundown. This is all, I mean, he knows the name of the gargoyle henchman. Yeah, well, everybody knows Zool. So Zool inhabits uh, Dana Barrett, who is the woman who lives across the hall from Lewis Tully, um, which is the nerdy guy played by Rick Moranis. And Dana Barrett, of course, is Sigourney Weaver. One day, Dana sees in her refrigerator this weird portal and decides to call the Ghostbusters because he's, she sees their commercial. Uh, they get involved. Uh, long story short, Steve Puff Marshmallow Man appears. They save the day, the end. But, you know, we get Slimer 
uh, introduced to us, who isn't named Slimer. Fun fact about Slimer, Slimer is essentially kind of modeled after somebody that the gentlemen who were participating in this movie knew. John Belushi. Really? Yeah, John Belushi, he had OD'd, who I think was originally supposed to be in this movie, but he was either like too kind of far gone or maybe he had died. We were introduced to the technology of the Ghostbusters, the proton packs, the unlicensed nuclear accelerator that each of them was wearing their, on their back. And uh, you have the ecto-containment unit, which is what houses all the ghosts. This is what, and, of course, the ghost traps that they carry with them to catch the ghosts. Oh, God, I remember, like, I got to jump ahead to the cartoons because that's really where, like, my playtime with Ghostbusters came into, came into play. So when Ghostbusters became a monster hit, there was this obvious appeal to kids because of, you know, the, the idea of funny guys going around catching ghosts and wisecracking. And there were, you know, it was it, a kind of toyetic, you know, it was like, okay, maybe we can make something out of this. Maybe we can extend the life of this one-off movie and make a sort of a franchise out of it. So they, in 86, developed a cartoon uh, based on the Ghostbusters movie called The Real Ghostbusters. Now, why are they called The Real Ghostbusters and not just Ghostbusters? Well, about a year prior to this, when the movie became popular, the people who own the rights to the TV show The Ghostbusters uh, decided to come up with a cartoon spinoff based on the old 60s show. So they put out their own cartoon. It was a filmation who did like He-Man and She-Ra, those kind of, and Fat Albert uh, that company came up with the Ghostbusters. So they sort of beat Columbia to the punch when it came to making a cartoon based on the Ghostbusters. So eventually, instead of trying to take them to court or whatever, they said, well, okay, we'll just capitulate and call ourselves the real Ghostbusters, like, fuck you. And uh, that's why the cartoon is named what it's named. That probably is what really, really got me into like wanting to... like get more involved in the universe of the Ghostbusters, you know, like dressing up like a Ghostbuster and pretending to catch ghosts and making my own proton pack out of like cereal boxes and stuff. Um, then this this also spawned a, a line of toys by Kenner, which I did not own growing up, but um, I always looked at those Toys R Us ads like longingly, like, oh, maybe one day my mother will see yeah. that she has a son that loves uh, Ghostbusters. I had a Sears catalog getting me through adolescence. <laughs> you had a Toys R Us catalog. Okay. Ah, uh, you see what I did there? Okay, I wasn't quite that old. Uh, so John Belushi did die in uh, March of 82. Oh. The script was written, or the plot to the script, a 60-page summary was passed in before that, but Aykroyd and Ramis locked themselves, uh, on you know, in a bomb shelter as they called it in Martha's Vineyard for three weeks in June of '82 and rewrote and wrote the whole thing. So definitely, yeah. So the 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 cartoon spawned toys, and uh, the cartoon lasted uh, for many many years on the air. I think it was about six seasons or so, something like that. Uh, the guy who does the voice of uh, the Brain from Pinky and the Brain, Maurice LaMarche. He's uh, the voice of Egon in the in the show. Um, the voice of Peter Venkman was Lorenzo Music for some time. He was also the voice of Garfield, if you remember. And then the rumor has it that like about three years in or so, I guess uh, this is uh, this is probably uh, apocryphal, which means 
not true, that um, I guess somebody had mentioned, or Bill Murray had mentioned in passing to like one of the producers about the voice of Peter Venkman, and he said, why, why does Peter sound like Garfield? And they, I guess, decided to maybe get away from that. And so Lorenzo Music was not, um, he was not the voice of Peter Venkman after, I think, season three. And it was replaced by Joey Gladstone. I'm sorry, Dave Coulier doing a Bill Murray impersonation. Yeah. So Dave Coulier. <laughs> Joey, cut it out. <laughs> so Dave, Dave Coulier took over. Uh, Frank Welker, who does the voice of, like, um, Fred from Scooby-Doo and a million other voices, did the voice of Ray and Slimer. Uh and then uh, uh, Arsenio Hall did the voice of Winston Zedmore. Um, and let's not forget Annie Potts in the movie playing uh, the secretary, Janine. Arsenio Hall did it in 84? How big was he in 84? No, no, no. The, the cartoon was 86. A- okay, 86. That was after coming to America. Right. So he would have been huge. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Coming to America was like 87 or 80, somewhere like that. So, you know, probably right before Amer- coming to America became big. But it's, you know, it's freaking voice work. Like, it's work. I mean, it, it's, no, it's on a major... But, but what I'm saying, it's like, he was a big star doing it. You figured they could have... He wasn't that big in that. I don't... Okay. Like, he wasn't like the big... I mean, when was Arsenio Hall a huge star until the TV show? I mean, really, yeah, okay. you know? So, um, so there's that. But, um, yeah, the, the toys came out. And then that kind of brings us to Ghostbusters 2. Why don't we just start talking about... Um the Godfather 3. <laughs> <laughs> so Ghostbusters 2 was uh, Columbia, or maybe it was Sony at that point, I forget. Maybe it was Columbia. They, um, 89 was like the year, that like 88, 89 was like the year of like remakes and, you know, uh, sequels. So they, every, every movie, like there was like Beverly Hills Cop 2 and um, multiple sequels. I think Indiana Jones had like the third movie come out at that point. Um, so there was this sort of sequelitis going around, and Ghostbusters was not immune. Uh, the, the success of the cartoon pretty much gave Columbia a license to print money if they were all to sign on for Ghostbusters 2. And apparently, according to Bill Murray uh, from an interview that he did years, years later, talking about Ghostbusters 2, apparently, you know, they were... He's hesitant to do anything more than once, so he wasn't exactly you know chomping at the bit to get back in there and do a sequel to a movie that had been basically like the biggest movie of of the year for when it came out. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, we've done that. Let's do something else. Um, but for some reason, one way or another, they entice you know the people at uh, Columbia entice. Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd to you know get Hal Ramis together and maybe write uh, some uh, you know come up with an idea for maybe continuing the Ghostbusters movie. Bill Murray gets involved. They all get him in a room, and as Bill Murray s- said in an interview, he said you could see the producers like salivating because they could see they were like they were riffing with each other. Like there was like the band was back together, and. I guess the the idea that was pitched to them when the movie was proposed was not the movie that was delivered because they wanted to do something a lot more like Ghostbusters 1, which was adult-themed, um, kind of raunchy, uh, something for an adult audience. And they were like, no, we have to make this more towards kids because the kids are what we're bringing in. For the last five years. Yeah, the cartoon has been on the air. Since 86. So it's been off for like three years, two or three years. So, 
yeah, they made Ghostbusters 2. I went and see, saw it. I, I was one of those kids. I was excited to see it. I got a little bit of the deuce chills when I saw the promotional material because the, the, the iconic emblem of the Ghostbusters was revamped for the sequel where the regular ghost in the no ghost symbol was now like a smiley kind of... He, he was standing up and he gave like a two sign, like a peace symbol, like as in, ah, Ghostbusters 2 again? What's with Whoa. these guys? And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we're in for. And um, yeah, Ghostbusters 2 was um, not good. Probably better after multiple viewings and with like some history and some time, you know, maybe watch it a decade or two later. <laughs> um, but it's not the movie that was Ghostbusters 1. Ghostbusters 2, Ray and Winston are like, they're playing kids' birthday parties. Like they were sued by the city and ran out of business and whatever. And um, then all of a sudden there's ghost disturbances happening in the city again. Eventually, it ends up where they're in the courtroom, and they, like the original three Ghostbusters, I don't know if Winston was there as well, uh, but it was uh, Ray, Peter, and Egon were brought in on trial because of something happening. I forget what. And um, then, like, there were these ghosts, well, like defrauding the city. Yeah, something. Right, right, right. Why do I remember that? Yeah, exactly. I know, no, God. don't tell me who the judge is. I see the judge. All oh, right. Plays an old curmudgeon in everything. Yeah, I forget his name. He was a character actor, but, but he's in. You've seen him in a thousand things. Yeah. So, but then the, that's where we meet the Scolari brothers, which are the two ghosts who were like um, put to the death by the electric chair years ago in the same courthouse or something like that, and they're haunting the courthouse. So they come to, they come back, and luckily. Exhibits A, B, and C are the three proton packs that the Ghostbusters need. And, of course, they're fully charged. You know, they didn't need to plug them in like an iPhone. They were just, you know, <laughs> I think they had a half-life of like 100 years. Weren't they nuclear? Yes, they were nuclear. So <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> and um, they put them on. They bust the Scolari brothers. They win the hearts and minds of the people in charge. And, actually, it got to the point where... Right before the montage of when they're returning to Ghostbusterdom, you see Ray, like, after they trap the ghosts, you know, cheering, we're back! And I'm like, douche moment number two for me. And I'm like, all right, I mean, let's soldier through this. So, turns out, there's this weird ectoplasm, the slime beneath the city that's feeding off the bad, bad vibes of the, of, of the people in the city. Um, so the hate, oh my God, imagine if, the, if that slime were in... America today. I well, think that's what's happening. Mission accomplished. Yeah, exactly. So the bad the bad slime, it, it's sort of a symbiotic thing where like it's feeding off of the people and the people are affected by the slime, so it's just sort of like this perpetuating thing and eventually it all has to do with this Vigo the Carpathian who is alive. He's like this weird like 16th century guy that has supernatural powers that's alive in a in a in a painting that's at the Museum of Modern Art. That Dana Barrett happens to work at. And so... What a coincidence. Yeah. And Dana Barrett has a baby, not with Peter, but with another person. Uh, so she's a single or. mother. Uh, hey, <laughs> come on, man. That ain't cool. So <laughs> me Ghostbusters too, okay? So, <laughs> so anyway, she's brought in because uh, there's a connection there. And um, the ghost of, of Vigo, who inhabits the painting, needs a, a body to inhabit to come back to Earth. And... He possesses the curator that works with Dana, 
to kidnap her baby so that Vigo can then inhabit the baby's body and be born again. And uh, that happens. And But the Ghostbusters stop it in time. And um, I don't know. It, they, they make... They make they were able to manipulate the slime too. They were able to collect the slime and manipulate it so that they could make it mood slime. So that if they give it good vibes, they can make the good things happen with it. So they were able to spray down the Statue of Liberty with good slime and play, I forget the name of the song, but it's this like upbeat kind of R&B song. And it's, it's really uplifting. And uh, they can make it come to life and they make they control it with, if you look over your shoulder, Jacques, that Nintendo controller, the big uh, one shelf down, that big Super Nintendo with the red, big red button controller there, they control the Statue of Liberty with that because they wire it to the, I don't know, movie magic. They make the, the Statue of Liberty walk toward the museum where the slime has now encapsulated it because of the bad vibes or whatever. But they want to make people feel good again, so they want to inspire it. Apparently that means making the Statue of Liberty come to life and walking it in a crowd of people. Whether she's naked under that toga, she's French. You know that. All right, it's getting late. It's almost midnight. Let's go, Venkman. Here's something off the request line from Liberty Island. We gotta squeeze some New Year's juice from you, Big Apple. You know your love. Yeah, and then after the Ghostbusters 2 came out, it came out to add respectable numbers, and, uh, you know, it was okay, but it didn't really inspire a third movie, but we'll get to that later. I We would be remiss, Jacques, and I'm sorry we glossed over this when we were talking about the original Ghostbusters movie. The biggest thing that everybody in the world associates with the movie, you cannot talk about the movie without singing the theme song. You can't. Right, right. It's it's the most, it, not the most iconic, maybe the most iconic thing John Williams did it too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're talking about, of course, the Ghostbusters theme written, written quotes by Ray Parker Jr. Why say quotes? Well, let's say, well, let's talk about the song first. Okay. If, if there's something strange in your neighborhood. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. If there's something weird and it don't look good. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Yeah. Dana, 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 Dana. I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> Bustin makes me feel good. Are you afraid of copyright infringement? <laughs> well, Ray Parker Jr. certainly wasn't, because apparently, it turns out, uh, and it wasn't really confirmed until years later by uh, Huey Lewis of Huey Lewis in the News, 
that uh, he successfully sued for copyright infringement, uh, Ray Parker Jr., for the, the Ghostbusters theme because it, the, the melody or the riff was eerily similar to I Want a New Drug. And um, it's, it's yes, it was basically like, okay, you got me. It was, it's a, the it's a same song, kind of, sort of, okay, enough. But Ray Parker Jr. apparently signed off, but you, you can't talk about right. this in right. public. And then um, until he did, until, <laughs> until he went on behind the music in the early 2000s and talked about it. And then that sort of spurred another lawsuit, but whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, the Ghostbusters theme is just like everywhere. It's like it's associated with Halloween and it's... It's, it's iconic. Yeah. And it, it has. It's become an evergreen with the season. Yeah. I mean, have you... Did you see the video? Did you ever see the music video? No. Oh, God. It's terrible. Oh, well... <laughs> to, 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 to its defense, do you watch a lot of videos in, yeah. in the late 80s? I know. You know, oh, I mean, mid 80s. Which yeah, I, yeah, yeah, right. There, there was, that was the birth of video. So, right, right. Yeah. I mean, we, we just came off of Billy Squire. A lot of crap. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of cameos, too. Do you remember the, the, yeah. the celebrity cameos? Some of which I don't, they were hot in 1984. Who are didn't, they now? Didn't date well. <laughs> right. But some of them are like Danny DeVito and um, uh, Rhea Perlman, I'm sure. <laughs> Anyways, I, we, I digress. So that's Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Um, well, now, of course, let's talk about a little bit of the rules of Ghostbusting. Please do. Now, when you're using, if you're with a Ghostbuster. Like if you're in one urinal. Yes. And I'm in the one next to you. Right. Or if we have to share one. Rule number one. Don't cross the streams. There you go. Why? It would be bad. I'm fuzzy on the whole good-bad thing. Uh, picture all life as you know it, stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of life. Okay, that's bad. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Total protonic reversal. So if you're, you know, you don't want to cross the streams when you're busting ghosts, which they do in the end of the movie. They somehow make it work and, you know, they because they, they want to... Reverse the swing of the door in which goes was coming in. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, Slow down. People are writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, would the, are there any other rules to Ghostbusting? No, I think that's the only rule. Just don't cross the streams. Oh, and don't look at the trap, even though Egon looks at the trap anyway. All the time. Yeah, he loves it. The, the, there's probably too much to talk about in the Ghostbusters movie, so maybe we can jump ahead to modern day. Sure. I was going to ask if you were... If you're going to journey down that road. Yeah. I mean, this is the only Ghostbusters sideshow I'm ever going to do, so might as well get it, it all done. Yeah, I, I, I bet we'll do another one. <laughs> well, let's talk about... I bet we'll do another one. Let's talk about Ghostbusters 3. Okay. Not that Ghostbusters oh. 3. Oh. The 2009 video game. Ghostbusters the video game. For what platform? That was cross-platform, but mostly Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. It was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. It was voiced by all the original actors, and not Rick Moranis, who had since retired from acting, but it did bring Annie Potts back. It takes place in 1991, so this is sort of a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2. The storyline's a bit convoluted, but Alyssa Milano plays uh, like a museum... I think, well, she's like a museum curator or somebody. I don't know. She's like a, an expert. Oh, she's like an Evo Shandor expert. Evo Shandor, by the way, was the crazy architect that built the building that brought on Gozer to begin with. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the, the one villain, by the way. I mean, this kind of ties into the third of the video game. So the video game came out in 2009. 
it takes place in 91. It has all the original actors, and it also brings back Walter Peck, the guy from the EPA, who's sort of there to keep an eye on the Ghostbusters, not necessarily meddle with them because they're now on the city's payroll. In the game, you play as a recruit, like a new recruit, and you're, you're busting with the Ghostbusters, and it's fucking cool. It's a great game. It's a, a great game. It's a great game, especially for a Ghostbusters fan, because it, it, it's like a third-person shooter. But you know, there's a science to it. There's there's new tech involved. Uh, they really expand on the Ghostbusters universe in a real good, in a really really good way. And it's like, it's just fun. It's a it's well written, and it's essentially the last thing, one of the last things that Harold Ramis I think was involved in before he died. So this is essentially to a lot of fans Ghostbusters three. Like this is we're not going to get the band back together to make a movie. They were. Some reason Bill Murray decided to say, "Yeah, what the hell? Let's I'll do a voice work." And doing voice work for a video game is intense, especially because it's not like a two-hour movie; it's like a ten-hour. Oh yeah, no, you are. But I mean, it's a it's a ten-hour movie, not a two-hour, but something you can do in one room Mm -hmm. over a few days versus. Three months of production, exactly, and you can just yeah, you're not you're not um, you don't have to be camera and, ready. And, and the thing is, Bill Murray plays. Oh, what's the character that he he does when he does that voice? Bill Murray. There you go. <laughs> so he he's, he was in his range. <laughs> Any regrets? Garfield, maybe. <laughs> so that's. A, I mean, if you haven't played it, I don't know. You probably haven't played it because I, I haven't. Whatever. It's 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 a good. It. I don't know if it'd be your jam because you're you know. If you're not Batman or Spider-Man, you're probably not going to be that interested. Joe, always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman. Right. <laughs> then, always be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> if I can somehow get Batman into a Ghostbusters video game, then we'll talk. Then that sort of sparked maybe a little bit of interest in getting the getting like another movie. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm getting my timelines mixed up. There's always been a... I think up to that point, before the video game came out, there was always this sort of like, let's get a movie, let's get a movie, let's get a Ghostbusters 3. Well, let's see. Number one was one of the biggest movies of 84, yeah. which is saying a lot because yeah. think what came out in that era. And then you had um, number two, which wasn't as good, but made a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. So you will never not have people sitting around who own the property trying to figure out how they can... Get yes. a third one. Right. And Bill Murray was always the holdout. That's always been rumored. And there, was, there were constant like waves of writers coming in. Like, um, I think, uh, God, I don't know if, uh, who were the big like writers of like the early 2000s? I, I think there were, there were some big comedy writers that were brought on. But, but, but if you go back, it's like, um, Dan Aykroyd said yes to Blues Brothers 2000. So he, know. you know, so, so say what you want. I mean, not everything. That Bill Murray has done has been great. Um, we've we've referenced Garfield, right? Yes, we covered that. Okay, okay, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he he doesn't do many sequels, and there's a reason. Yeah, I know that. I guess brings us now to so how Ramus passes in like 2012, I want to say something like that. Maybe maybe if you can look up on the Twitter machine. Um, I don't know what the internet's called anymore. I think it's just called the Twitter machine, and that's sort of like I guess opens up an opportunity for like Ivan Reitman who's also you know the, he was the director of the first two Ghostbusters he wants to now franchise Ghostbusters into a thing when the movie idea came about of making a new 
reboot of the Ghostbusters, they were thinking like, okay, let's do something with like Seth Rogen and that crew uh, as the new Ghostbusters. And then eventually um, they got around to the time where, you know, a lot of female-led comedies, like Bridesmaids, for example, were becoming more popular. And the shift away from the testosterone-filled comedy of the, of the 80s and the more female-oriented comedies of the 2010s prompted them to reach out to Paul Feig, the director of Bridesmaids and Spy, basically the Melissa McCarthy crew, to do a new Ghostbusters movie. So in 2016, Sony, which now owns the rights to Ghostbusters, put out a new Ghostbusters movie called Ghostbusters... That's it. it They're just Ghostbusters. Yep. 2016, called Ghostbusters. And it starred Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. All very hilarious, funny, funny actors. And I don't know. It wasn't met uh, with the most pleasant reviews, um, especially the trailer. The trailer was probably on YouTube at the time one of the most disliked videos in either the, its history or in very recent memory. A lot of it was misogyny-based. A lot of it was maybe they, they fans of Ghostbusters caught a whiff of like, this doesn't look like it's going to be good. It looked like the... This is what I took away from the trailer, if you want to get my honest opinion. The, I'll let you sneeze. I'll let you slime yourself. <laughs> you blow your nose and you want to keep it. The Ghostbusters 2016 movie trailer looked, I don't know, it looked a bit over the top, slapsticky. Uh, the the special effects looked very cartoony, almost like the live action Scooby Doo movie. If you remember that, it had that kind of vibe to it. It was a little too kitty. It wasn't my Ghostbusters. It took some time for me to realize that not everything's for me. You know, uh, it could be made for a new audience. But I did give it a shot. We did go eventually go see it. I think my kids liked it. My, my kids loved it, but they're young and really stupid. So <laughs> It wasn't god-awful, but it wasn't like... It wasn't fantastic, but it, it was more like... The, the, the plot was just terrible. Like, the plot just hadn't... Like, it was like the weakest villain, uh, this guy named Rowan... Uh, my, you know, we'll start there. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> if that doesn't say evil, right? But uh, he's like this nerdy guy that like he works in like I, I forget what I, I. It's been so it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, he like summons he summons like the 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 spirits of the other world, and I don't know. Like, if you want to get into the weeds a little, yeah, bit. yeah, go. Um, the two main characters, McCarthy. And um, Wig yeah. had written a book years ago that this guy kind of reverse engineered, not reverse, yeah, kind of reverse engineered and built a machine that could bring the dead back through the dimension. He was one of those always picked on kind of, and he realized he could not, he could command the army of the dead, basically. Um, with this device, with this device, and so they they wrote a book years ago. One of them went on to be a real professor at a real college, and the other one followed in the footsteps of the original Ghostbusters, like pseudoscience at a 
off-brand university type thing. Right. Um, one, one shade sh- uh, above Trump University. <laughs> it might have been Trump University, you know, for, for all we know. But, you know, I... I didn't dislike it a lot. You know, I I, li- I actually liked it, but for a lot of different reasons. Because I love, I love the four actresses. You know, um, and, and of course Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, who was fucking great. I mean, he was. I think he was great. He was funny. I, I pa- maybe too over the top. The pacing. I got okay. So Chris Hemsworth played the dumb but hot secretary for and, the Ghostbusters. And, 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 well, and the funny thing in, in this whole. You know the the role reversal where he was basically sexually harassed from the interview on by Christian Wake, right. but was oblivious to it or yep. came across oblivious to it. Right, right. But uh, it, I mean, there, there were funny lines. Don't get me wrong; like tons of funny like lines in the movie, but just it didn't it didn't quite gel. Look like it's almost like they tried to stitch all these really funny skits and sketches together. To form the movie and then try to resolve it at the end, there was like there seemed to be a lack of heart. In my opinion, I don't know. You could see Sony's hands in this all over this movie. Like there was just product placement and well, as commercialism. And, 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 as Joe said in the background, there's our boy Rick Moranis. Who oh, we, yes. we are we his biggest fans. <laughs> and, uh, you um, but uh, but you know, in the background, you know, you could see there was obviously th- this is when product placement really started in the early '80s, and there was that blatant Coke thing here. Yep. But in that movie, it, it was completely funded. It was um, Chris Helmsworth first scene where he comes in and he's like, "Oh, I designed a logo for us." Yeah, remember the first or the second logo that he pitched him? No. It was the Seven Eleven logo. Oh, okay. and they're like, and, and they spend two minutes talking about it. It's like, oh, are you sure this wasn't inspired by something? I mean, and then I forget one of his other like drawings. I mean, the the product placement was like it, hurtful. Yes, like like, like yeah, right. It was, I get it, it. I get it. It derailed everything. And then obviously there were the the biggest complaint probably that I had or Ghostbusters fans whatever fanboys dickheads. The Proud Boys, if you will, <laughs> of, of Ghostbusters, of Ghostbusters, is that no they, Larry Storch? Is that they are? <laughs> it was a reboot, kind of, because apparently the original, like this, is Ghostbusters, but it it didn't take place in the same universe as the original Ghostbusters. It's almost like they, you know, the original Ghostbusters didn't exist, but they still had like nods and homages to the old Ghostbusters, like in the university. They walk by a bust with Harold Ramis's head on it, but they don't really. I don't know what they, what the name on the bust said. Like maybe it did say Doctor Egon. I think it did say Doctor Egon Spangler. But it's like okay, so there was a Ghostbuster, or or wasn't there? I don't know. And then, but Bill, you, but you had to really be looking. But Bill, yeah, exactly. So and then Bill Murray makes a cameo as another like he's like a, he's a um, debunker, a, a debunker, right? Dan Aykroyd's a cab driver. And then at the very end, uh, Leslie Jones's uncle, who, who she was talking about in the whole movie, turns out to be Ernie Hudson. You know, so it's just like okay, they're there, but they weren't Ghostbusters. So it it, it was like, what was this movie trying to be like? It, the, even the trailer said like four science in nineteen eighty four, four scientists, which they got wrong because only three of them were scientists. You know, Winston came on as sort of like a hired hand, and I remember people taking to the streets. Yes, with yes, with their with their khakis and their tiki torches. Um, 
and then so there was also confusing marketing. It was like, is the movie a continuation of the storyline or is it starting over? And why is this called Ghostbusters and not like Ghostbusters something else? Like, why didn't they subtitle it? But then, like, to add to the confusion, after the movie came out on home video, it does have a subtitle. It's called Ghostbusters Answer the Call. So it's kind of just a big fucking mess. And they didn't do a second one, and I don't think there's any plans to. No, no. I mean, they, they, well, they, Ivan Reitman did start something called Ghost Core with Sony, where um, they wanted to do a sort of like a go, uh, almost like a DC universe or a Marvel universe, but for Ghostbusters. See, I don't know how well that's going. I don't know of any other projects in the pipeline for Ghostbusters. I could be wrong. There's probably a cartoon coming out. I haven't been keeping up. Even though I follow Ghostbusters accounts on Twitter, I'm not paying attention close enough to know if there's any new Ghostbusters things in the works. I don't think there's a movie in the works, I'll tell you that. Uh, Paul Feig, when asked if they would direct another Ghostbusters movie, I think he said, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he might have went that far. Paul Feig, fucking funny guy, great director. But like, I think he just didn't realize like the amount of fanboyism that was associated with this. Right, right. Well, it's like you take over Star Wars or Star Trek or any any of those. He wasn't J.J. Abrams. Long run, right. Um, yeah, management liked it a lot. Uh, I think one of the reasons that she really, she went in wanting to like it because she loves those four women. Uh, the other reason, it was, uh, I don't know, if it, I think it was the college that they worked at was Everett High. Well, yeah, well, and, you know, was, and, the whole thing was shot in Boston. A lot of it was shot in Boston. And the interiors were filmed at Emmanuel College. Oh, so your management and my management tied in together. Yes. Yeah, so the exteriors were Everett and the interiors were Emmanuel College. Um, yeah, so Kristen Wiig was actually on campus with, and, and it was rumored that maybe Bill Murray might have, or Dan Aykroyd was like sneaking around as well. But uh, yeah, that was. Um, that was it. So that's Ghostbusters kind of in a nutshell. Uh, a big sloppy mess like the last Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> so, so let me ask you. You have to sit here and I say, Joe, choose Ghostbusters 2 or Ghostbusters answer the call. Choose the form of the Destructor. Um, what, Ghostbusters 2? Or- like you have to watch. Oh, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, no. Wow, no hesitation. No. You really, so you hate women. Yeah. Okay. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Why aren't they making us sandwiches? Wait a second. No, see, I was possessed by, by Gozer. See, that's what happened. Um, I'm the gatekeeper. Oh, no, wait. No, the gatekeeper's the woman. Damn it. I'm the key master. I don't know what I am anymore. Um, uh, I'm, now I'm just watching the scene where uh, Dana Barrett is being possessed by Zool. Oh, Zooly, you nut now. I want to talk to Dana. There is no Dana, only Zool. And what a lovely singing voice you must have. <laughs> and she hovers over the bed. Very, uh, very iconic scene. Um, man, yeah, I could, I could watch this on mute. And yeah, we are. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will watch this on mute. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying, I wish I was listening to this on mute. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, uh, th- this has been uh, a fun sideshow. Any, any, any of them that you lead the charge on, uh, that, that we can watch a classic movie in the background playing, I'm all for. Uh, so a, another happy Halloween, or belated happy Halloween. You know, I, I like these. Any suggestions for more? 
of these any any of them the joe can lead the charge on please send in because oh, it's, I, I, it's usually me yapping he loves to watch me st- stumble and stammer and you know it's good it's kind of like when you see it when you teach a kid to ride a bike and you're like come on you can do it you can do it and, and you're secretly laughing because he keeps falling yes skinning oh, oh skinning my, yeah skinning my face and and then uh and other things so by the way the the last movie was not a bomb. It was a budgeted at 144 million. It brought in box office 229 million. Uh, it made money. Didn't make Avengers money, but um, you know it wasn't a bomb altogether. So uh, we'll see where the future lies. But uh, and, and wait, lastly, uh, uh, Back to the Future One is number one in your heart. That's it. Hands yes. Down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we- yes. Weirdest Ghostbusters rank number one and a half. One A, one B. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's pretty much yeah. I think that. If you want to create a tombstone for me, let them be the VHS cases to both Back to the Future and <laughs> Ghostbusters combined. My name doesn't even need to be on there. I could live in these little movies for, for eternity. And I, 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 yeah. if my uh, dreams come true, I will eventually import my psyche into these movies and um, and become part of the movie. I am, I'm rambling now. <laughs> <laughs> Good night! <laughs>